И данная, эти русские революции должна будет Если немцы хотят не истребить войну, они ее получат. La lucha armada es el único camino para la liberación. Patria o muerte. Ayer estuvo el diablo aquí, huele a azufre todavía. And the cheap labor taken out of these countries. These countries are not underdeveloped, they're overexploited. I'm ready to go. Okay. Hello everybody, <laughs> welcome to Revolutionary Lumpen TikTok Radio. It's a whole it's a whole new thing. For the audience who don't know, I am the host, Shibby. This podcast is about revolution, wherever revolutionary potential can be found. So, like, I've obviously naturally gravitated towards the Lumpen proletariat and the ostracization that they suffer against in various forms. But we also appreciate the hard work and the direct action of of anybody that's what matters that's the only thing that matters is matter you know physical direct action so we platform that too what's more is like when i also see people in the imperial core doing amazing work that like i really want to support as a revolutionary as a socialist communist marxist however you want to claim it like a humanist like i'm a person so when i've seen the work that Jordan's done, which we'll get into. Like, I'm one of them where I just want to like speak to Jordan, but it's just not common practice to just have a phone conversation with people who you meet online. And that's, that's not the social norm. But fortunately, Jordan's been kind enough to come on and talk about some of the really radical history making inspiring work so thank you jordan and, and thank you so much for your continued support on patreon it means the world let's talk about the world today starting off with you and your role in it so on this podcast we always like to hear everything that you'd be willing to share about your background political tendency if you subscribe to one any organization affiliations anything like that would be amazing before diving into this interview, before we crack on with the main questions. Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me on. And uh, yeah, so, you know, my background, at least from like a racial context, my dad's side um, is black. They were kidnapped off the shores of Africa and brought here and forced into slavery um, before um, revolting and freeing themselves. Um, and the other side of my family are, um, Irish and they were some of the first Irish to immigrate to the U S and, you know, sort of face their own forms of oppression. The signs on the, on the shops said, you know, no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Right. So, um, eventually the Irish did assimilate into kind of the, the social construct of whiteness. But 
um, they've always been sort of anti-colonial uh, revolutionaries. A lot of times they're not considered like the right the right kind of white. So um, very like working class revolutionary blood, <laughs> I feel like is what I was born with. Um, as far as organization, I, you know, I live in Los Angeles and um, or I live in West Hollywood, the Los Angeles area. And there's such a huge amount of activism happening here. Um, and so uh, I've participated with many different groups, uh, coalitions, organizations. Um, the main thing I've been doing the past few years is the WeHo Social Justice Coalition. And really, you know, the the point of that really was that in West Hollywood, it's like this weird little sliver, this little bubble in LA where there is no activism. There's no one paying attention to it. Um, people are kind of out to brunch. Um, and yet the same oppression exists. So um, there was a need to kind of fill that gap. Um, and so that's what the WeHo Coalition uh, was able to do. And Jordan, you will have 90 seconds. Thank you. My name is Jordan David. I live on occupied Tongva lands and I vote in West Hollywood elections. $15 is a starving wage. 1764 has full-time workers living in their cars and on the street. 1935 causes hundreds of working families to fall into homelessness each day just in our county. This month, the city celebrated Domestic Violence Awareness Month, but awareness does nothing for survivors of domestic violence. People trapped in abusive relationships need to be paid a thriving wage so that they can leave. The city raised awareness for ovarian cancer this month, but awareness doesn't treat cancer. People need to be paid enough to afford healthcare so that they can see their doctors before it's too late and pay for treatment. You raised awareness for mental health and suicide, but being aware of mental suffering doesn't prevent it. Paying a thriving wage is suicide prevention. I'm here on behalf of the 90% of workers in the US who do not have a union to fight for them. We ask that you pass the People's Ordinance. All workers deserve a thriving wage, so don't separate them by sectors. Tie minimum wage to the cost of housing. Don't allow any loopholes. And stop punishing workers for being sick. Thank you. Very interesting and burst that bubble, so to speak. But, you know, this is a bubble that of that atomization, alienation of society, people in their own worlds. And we always not burst, burst in the bubble, you know, out of spite, but also just to say, look, there's a bigger world. Let's come together. So we're gonna we're gonna get more into that because I've got a question revolving around that actually. So let's dive into some of the subject matter. And again, I really wish that um, I could just share the video up on here for everybody to see. So it was when you were speaking to what appears to be West Hollywood's council members. Good evening. My name is Jordan David. I'm a member of the WeHo Social Justice Coalition and a voter in West Hollywood. I know new and returning council members are coming in with their own set of items for the year, 
But if you're really here to represent us, it should be the people who set the agenda. So in the interest of democracy, I want to give you a brief overview of the people's agenda being developed by the community. First, fire the cops that illegally brutalized our community member, Annie Jump. We continue to demand a reimagining of public safety that centers care without cops or cages. Number two, house everyone. We have all the resources to end homelessness in West Hollywood, and it's time that we use them. Extend the eviction moratorium, open and expedite rental assistance, build social housing, and stop investing in jails like what recipients call Project No Key. This meeting doesn't allow time to address all items, but the crux of our ask is an end to state violence in all forms. This means funding services, thriving wages for workers, reparations for descendants of people that were enslaved, ending support for imperialist war and Zionism, climate justice, and curbing gentrification. We demand a WeHo that works for everyone, not just your wealthy investors. Thank you. Thank you, Julian Rich, to be followed by Sybil Dayton. In the hall, it blew my mind because the old righteous tenacity. I've never seen anybody go to council chambers and, and these members, I don't even know what to call them because they're like the whole class above me, but telling them, you know, abolish the police you know, or fire the police and house everybody talking, you know, social justice. Um, you covered it all and you were speaking truth to power as well. So basically that was just super interesting. I, I'll play that audio clip for people to give context to that. That was basically my way of trying to describe um, something that was to, like, who were those people that you were in front of in that chamber telling them what the masses of West Hollywood need and then where did this people's agenda come from? Yeah, so we were at the West Hollywood City Council meeting um, and, you know, kind of the broader context of that is there's LA County, which is huge. It really encapsulates more people than I think like most of the country. The majority of people in the United States are in LA County. Then even more than that is L.A. City. Uh, it's just like a massive concentration of people. Just <laughs> it's very undemocratic, right? Because um, you have like, you know, I think it's I think in L.A. it's like 12 people, but it's for, you know, these hundreds of thousands governing. And then right on the side, you have West Hollywood. <laughs> um, it's just it's just this little sliver on the outside. Um, and the reason it's even incorporated as a city is just because it's like there's little like concentrations of wealth um, or so just certain communities that want to kind of keep it to themselves. So it's just kind of this nonsense thing where they incorporate a city in a little two mile radius um, and, and they can control all of the wealth there. They control all the taxes there um, and kind of get to like make their own rules. It's, we have our, a, a total new city government, not new, but its own city government for a two mile radius in LA. Um, and so that's, that's these people, these, these city council members 
Um, <laughs> Two mile radius, they probably get as much like police funding as some countries as well. Fucking hell. Exactly. We have a yeah, and it's like the 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 police budget, the the amount of police, the amount of just like forms of state violence, and again, like their autonomy to just have their own rules in this area and just unchecked because again it within this bubble it's almost like they can operate behind closed doors because everyone's focused on la city next to us um but here there's this control of wealth and violence so over the past few years the weho coalition um has really set out with specific goals and went after each one one by one um, so whether it was abolishing the police um, from the city of West Hollywood, which again is, is much easier to do in a two mile radius than it is in this massive beast of LA, right? So that's kind of the point of the coalition too, is we can get things done in a, in a much bigger way. I don't want to like ramble on, but I kind of want to tell you this quick story. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, of course. Welcome, it. Thank you. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> okay. So, and this is what kind of inspired me to sort of put a focus on West Hollywood um, rather than LA is that I, during the pandemic, I realized that I live here. Like, you know, I'm not just part of LA. There's this weird little city government on top of me that has its own budget and everything and its own government. So, when we first locked down, my side of town actually has a lot of immigrants from uh, when the Soviet Union collapsed. It's like this little tiny neighborhood of, of like the people who fled. Um, and so they're very old, uh, high risk, right? So when we first shut down uh, for COVID, everyone was on a walk at the same time. It's more people out on the street than I'd ever seen. Um, just walking the dog, you know, it's a dog neighborhood. Um, but, you know, it was a high risk moment. And I saw that other cities did a thing where they automated their crosswalk buttons. So when you're crossing the street, you don't have to press the button, right? It's just automated. And that way we're not doing the spreading. You know what I'm talking about? Do you have those there? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's genius, that. So... I saw that other cities had done it and West Hollywood hadn't. So I approached a city council member. This was like online at the time. And I, I demanded that we automate this immediately because we have all these high risk people in the city on a walk. I had a debate with them that same day. And, uh, you know, they said, well, we don't know if that's right for our city. It's like, you're part of this. <laughs> yeah. Anything to do with, with COVID was so political. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. I essentially just made the point. It's a very logical, like, just fucking do it. It's like common sense action to take as someone in control of city infrastructure. Um, and so the very same day that I won that debate with him, the entire city of crosswalk buttons did get automated. So it's an absolutely like pure revolutionary blood inside of you. How did you end up in the debate with them in the first place to win? Just calling them up and 
Um, the the city council man at the time did um, he did like a daily update because this was like right in the beginning of COVID, right? So they're giving you these these like daily updates of like the numbers in the county, the numbers in the city, how many deaths there are, what's the up, you know, what is what are the protocols right now? Like it was changing day to day. So um, this one guy in particular did a, like, a daily Facebook post, just breaking down everything in the world in his perspective. And so I just commented on it and like started the debate. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, by, by the next day, um, he had just made the right calls and the whole city got automated. And for the next few years, uh, you see like these signs on all the crosswalk buttons that say, and it's, you know, city branded and it's like, do not touch for public safety reasons. You know, these are automated. And so what, what stuck out to me the most from that was that out of, you know, 40,000 residents in the city of West Hollywood, nobody else said anything. You know what I mean? And, and the city, they weren't going to do this. Like the city council did not have this on their mind. When it was brought up to them, they were resi they resisted it, and so they genuinely were not going to do this. And so, just me by myself speaking up and just push mm. pushing and holding the line on this little issue did automate the whole city. And so, you know, it, it seems small, but it's like there's again forty thousand people live here. There's a hundred thousand people if you include the workers and the kind of it's kind of a destination. So a lot of like queer people come here to hold space. Um, so, you know, lives place. were saved from that. And so I realized, wow, if one person could do this, one, you know, small thing, what could a coalition of people accomplish in the city? Because we'll be the only ones doing anything here, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, you're right. I'm, I'm absolutely, pleased that you recognize that lives are saved because you, you deserve to recognize that because people have always got great ideas of what people need, but it, it's going out doing it. I can't obviously driven you to do that, but it also frustrates me, you know, it shouldn't take your background for people to do that. With enough empathy, anybody should have the potential to just, to just think, what can I do? So that was amazing. So was that one of your first early victories, first kinds of like being involved in activism, so to speak? Yeah, I would I would say so. Um, and I, I mean, after it was after that that I kind of connected with um, a lot of existing groups around me and helped with their actions, um, and then ended up building the the WeHo Social Justice Coalition, um, and so. Over the next few years, you know, when we when we kind of decided to formalize the coalition, we made a list of objectives. Um, so reimagine public safety, a Green New Deal for West Hollywood, land back reparations for people that were um, enslaved, kind of covering the gambit, right? It's like what can what can we do from a city government perspective that we can then um, sort of evangelize to other cities and the country, right? And say, we did this here, ending homelessness, social housing, you know. So we went one by one. 
we did an action for all of them uh, or like a campaign and we passed legislation for a hundred percent of our goals um over the last few years um and so the people's agenda is really a synthesis of those actions that city government on paper has basically said that they're going to do but has failed to materialize that we were on a hiatus i won't go into all the the cycle of the coalition but recently one of our comrades was brutalized by the police she's a trans woman somebody else called them and she basically just you know she's in a locked apartment building right so like you can't get into the lobby without like buzzing in the police tried to come in and she she didn't open the door for them and so they brutalized and arrested her because she wouldn't open the door and they they got all this backup they hogtied her they carried her out of the building like an animal um, and, you know, booked her into jail. And they never even went to the call that they were actually called for. <laughs> I mean, it, you haven't even got to say nothing. It speaks for itself, doesn't it? Those kind of crimes. It just reminds you of what I was going to say earlier, but I forgot to say when we were talking about you know, everybody being rammed into a certain place in LA and then you've got like the slither of Hollywood um, li living nice. I was I was about to say, fuck her, you're living in an apartheid state. Um, but, you know, the the US police, I mean, other comrades have told me similar stories. US police are paramilitaries, like coming down on the people, like make no mistake, fucked up. So thank you so much. I, th I think that we learned like why those are like concerns for you because it, what you're seeing, it's what you're living, it's what you're breathing. Um, <laughs> it just reminds me of that TikTok video um, that you did. I think you're chanting things, but like, what's going on? There's just the people behaving chaotic around you. And then you're, oh. you're... <laughs> It was when fucking Biden was elected. Oh my God. <laughs> and, right. What? And people are just. I mean. Human extinction from climate change. Yeah, we're not gonna ban fracking. Yeah, more fracking. Yeah. Yay, police brutality against black and brown people continue. Yay. Yeah, shoot him in the leg. Shoot him in the leg. Yeah. 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 Fracking! Yeah, more police brutality, yeah! Shoot him in the leg! Shoot him in the leg, yeah! Yeah, mass incarceration! Yeah! Acknowledge science, but continue destroying the earth! Yeah. <laughs> it, right, and it's unbelievable, right? To see the way people reacted in the city just dancing in the streets somebody was running across topless <laughs> that's what like there you like that is a perfect depiction of west hollywood it's like these fucking imperialist white supremacist liberals um celebrating this racist war criminal like you guys he has all the same policies as trump what are you celebrating well the people can see it 
you know what I mean? And, and they still behave like that. So let's talk about or kind of round up on the city councils. So really quick, I just want to um, wrap up the people's agenda with that. Um, we had been on a hiatus after introducing all of these things already. And it wasn't until our comrade was brutalized by the police that we had to mobilize a response, right? Um, and so that's what really brought this people's agenda was this um, this police brutality um, and us, you know, the, the strategy of our response was to not only demand that the police involved were fired, but that the city council adopt the agenda of the people. Um, and this, the day that we were uh, bringing this to them was a day that the new city council was being sworn in after an election. So this was their first day. This is their swearing in meeting. Uh, and one of them, and a, co a couple others that are already sitting there um, are branding themselves as these like amazing progressives, right? These are like the people's candidates. So we were essentially saying, if you're a people's candidate, you know, here we are, here's, here's the people and here's what we're asking you to do and really setting the tone for, for their time in office. Ooh. It's totally, bizarre to me when I look at the faces of these people you know when you're doing the, the zoom calls with them in the meetings which you again in your tiktok you've done well to explain people you can attend these meetings um, and then you say these things to them and to see the face in real time uh, react or try not to react um, is, is particularly interesting because I think that they all deep down must know and must want to do what you're saying because they know that it's right but obviously their position is like they got there because they wouldn't in a way and if they did agree with you or like or outright said to everybody on that call let's do that but <clears throat> it's really interesting and at the same time you also can't see the conversations that they have after the call amongst each other as well like that their conversations I'd really love to see um, because you, what you say to them there's no way that they can just forget that you know every time they see struggle or a, attempt to empathize at any point in their life you know these these are words and these are what the people need to end that suffering and, and whatnot amazing work amazing we oh, it also reminds me a lot of how safe people acron shifted up in solidarity against Akon's lynching of Jalen Walker and how they brought the community together and, and was on their councillors constantly and, and trying to, you know, get those police fired. Um, and then if you zoom out, you know, you're also doing the same thing. So on a state level, you know, these things are happening and these ones must happen. And then uh, we put the whole pressure, the whole apparatus, and again, the people in the middle of all of these things, again, change of, changes of opinion, because, you know, people like, you know, you, the listeners now, um, are taking it on board and hopefully gonna, you know, pick up some interesting viewpoints. Again, really, in one of the conversations earlier, like what you were describing is, is I've seen images of, of, 
some of the depraved conditions that people are forced to endure simply for being poor in LA. I mean, even if you're rich, this this is a country where even if you're rich, like your health isn't doesn't matter in the grand scheme of capitalism. Because I spoke to one of the comrades from LA who come out of the Palestine action camp, and they told me that like. They can like pick their nose and the sort in their nose. Now, is were they lying? Is the pollution that bad? It's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um, it's not normal, that. It's not. It's definitely not normal. It's disgusting. We also have a really high. People don't realize that we also have a really high concentration of oil drilling in LA, um, and so and it, and LA is highly segregated, um, and so you have it. Not only is it just generally like horribly polluted, but it's even more polluted in black neighborhoods because they put them around um, oil drilling sites. And so there you have like, it's like, it's, it's like dystopian extreme, like, you know, levels of like cancer and lung disease and, you know, all kinds of side effects. It's disgusting, honestly. Of bodies filled with microplastics, it's God. What are we doing to the world? <laughs> Fucking hell! And um, the pandemic was really um, like I'm. <laughs> it's weird to say, but like I miss lockdown um, because it was like the air was so clean, mm -hmm. uh, the streets were like clear like you could just go like ride your bike and it would just be like normal like normal to me like because the car culture here is so abnormal it's just so like it's it's fucked up <laughs> yeah i i remember i'm sure i remember noticeably clean air during the pandemic and because there wasn't cars on the road and there was a whole lot of less airplanes but i noticed the airplanes didn't stop People were still jetting about, going about on the fucking holidays and whatnot, um, in the places that were captured from World War II and just turned into flipping resorts. I noticed it, but again, I never had those extreme levels of pollution that you know you unfortunately suffer. And you know that that's it. Profit before anything else. It's just unreal. Into the minutia. It's the same kind of people, it's the same kind of bureaucratic kind of institutions, such as these city councils where people make these grand decisions that affect all of us, like externally, internally, for generations. How could people actually do what you've done in, in those council changes? How can they get there? How can they at least be heard to tell the, the council what they need to hear from the people because if they or you or the listeners don't tell them how will they hear so i think it's really important for people to organize in their community um you know i think one thing to avoid is um focusing too much on the city council and i've um and i've done that like I've, I've, this is something that I've learned from experience, right? Um, that the people are more important. Your community is more important. So organizing your community and then, um, you know, kind of once you've done that, 
one of the actions you can take as a community is to um, confront these leaders. Um, like I take back that word, confront these tyrants, um, you know, these bourgeois um, ruling class um, imperialists, climate terrorists, um, they need to be confronted. And so that's something you can do as a community, but the, the most important thing is your community. And, you know, city council is easy to approach. Um, even in LA or bigger cities, they have meetings. Not a lot of people go unless there's a big, you know, crisis happening, but they have them every two weeks, maybe every week, depending on your city. You sign up for public comment, you usually have about two minutes and you can just, you have two minutes to just say your piece. Typically they have an agenda, it's good to read that. If you just stay abreast to your city council's agenda, you can really see like the decisions that are being made about your life and around around your city. So even even when focusing on community, it's good to read the agenda because then you'll know what's going on. You'll know what's coming. You're not going to just be surprised by this gentrification of your city or, you know, your a whole neighborhood being displaced or um, whatever it is, oil drilling, <laughs> you know, net in your backyard. These things are going to go on the city council agenda and you will have a chance to do something. Amazing. Very well said. Thank you so much for that answer. So to those people who would still just concentrate on the city councils because that's they can't see any better alternative and they haven't learned the lessons you have, the community is the number one. What would you say to those people? It's a process of learning, right? And I think, I think that's kind of actually part of the value of bringing your community to these city councils, right? Is because at some point you will not just like conceptualize the limits of, of what this can do for you, but you're gonna experience them, you know? Like we can say like, oh, the ruling class will never, you know, mm -hmm. act in the interest of the working class. Like we can say that in this kind of like really hypothetical way. But when you like draft legislation, give it to your city council, organize public support for it and pass it. And then you see that they, it never materializes, that they will always co-opt any kind of radical uh, rhetoric or ideas mm -hmm. and water, water them down and twist them for the interests uh, of the state. It, so it nice. will never fail. And so at some point, you know, and especially if you're doing things like really engaging the city council, you you get a meeting with them, right? You um, you really get your point across. You feel like you're really making progress. At some point, you're gonna see that they're bullshitting you, <laughs> and you're wow. gonna and you're gonna realize that just asking isn't gonna do it. Yeah, amazing. I, I love that point specifically, and you're not just gonna you know, visualize the limits, like, oh, Lenin wrote this and that's the limit, everything else is left-wing communism, blah, blah, but you know, you'll experience it. And that's why you stuck out so much to me, I think, now that we talk about it, was because you were at the very limit of who did let in the door 
but with the most radical tell it as it is with with respect and you know looking through your profile and and the time that you take just to share messages and invest in and then the work with WeHo and just getting the sense of what is laughable like like those Biden celebrations I knew it was you were serious speaking to them and that fascinated me so much because they were they were faced with with a revolutionary and um so that was amazing it is interesting and and I think if it doesn't hurt and in times not better spent somewhere else I suppose people really should try to see what those limits are don't try them push to push them any further don't ever waste any energy that could go back towards the people right on right on you know just make sure if you're if you're gonna go do public comment at a city council meeting don't go alone you know i mean maybe you know start somewhere but um go as go as a community and so you're make sure you're learning these lessons as a collective amazing and talking more of a collective rather than you know some of your experiences and moving from the council chambers of your city and more into the streets can you talk more about those organizing efforts because we hope social justice coalition was spotted attending west hollywood's first city sponsored pride in january last year making speeches and intimidating the pigs so like what why was it the first pride of the city have you literally never had a pride before that so Pride has always been big in the LA area and it's always kind of run through WeHo in some way. Like, you know, WeHo can't be separated. It's a, it's like the gayest city in maybe the world. Um, and so this was their first inaugural Pride. And, and really, you know, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of controversy with Pride around here, right? So the company that used to put it on um, at one point said, we're not even going to run this through WeHo anymore, basically because it's a white supremacist <laughs> gay city. I call it gay fascism. And so there's been a lot of controversy around it. Um, so they, you know, they, they moved it around a lot of different times. But yeah, for some reason, this time was this, this first inaugural pride, or it was more like officially put on by the city, sponsored by the city government. And you know, a couple of things really stuck out. Uh, and by the way, the WeHo Coalition is 100% queer. It's like the full LGBTQIA, like it's it's the entire spectrum of, of beautiful. Yeah, and not by, not on purpose. It just happened to come together that way. I think being queer is radicalizing. And so, you know, Pride is a special, it's a special time and it has such a revolutionary history right? This is Black trans women fighting the cops with bricks. Like, that's what Pride, that was what Pride started as, right? And so, um, and they were anti-capitalist, right? They were fighting capitalism. And so we see West Hollywood announce this Pride. And what you saw uh, on, in the videos is we're actually standing in front of the parade. So the parade's about to start and we're stopping the parade from starting. Uh, so, uh, I see there, doesn't it, with the police? 
Yeah, so the the police are the front of the parade. They're leading the parade. They wrapped the cop cars in rainbow flags, like like paid to like do like a car wrap, you know, like a rainbow paint on the cop cars and the entire front part. So the the we have blocks and blocks of like floats and stuff, right? A whole parade is all in place and the whole front block is police leading the pride parade which again started as a fight against police wow before this happened what did we hold social justice coalition like what were you thinking before you even went so did you did you just have a plan in mind what was the vibe like and then how did it turn out against your expectations so pride goes on for the weekend right and that following Monday was going to be the city council meeting where they, they would vote on the city budget. And so we had been gearing up for another year in a row, right? Because each year we make this a really big focus of defunding the police and funding, you know, housing and services instead. Mm. And so this pride just happened to fall right on that weekend. So we were already planning, we we're already gearing up for this council meeting, right? And then Pride happens and and they have this, you know, it's the situation with police in the front. And so it was kind of this perfect opportunity to take this action that we wanted to take, which is we have to, you know, this has to be interrupted. You know, this is this is a fascist parade that is co-opted co-opted our radical movement and really is just such a such a slap in the face to queer people everywhere and, and and you know just to give more context for people who maybe aren't so much in the queer community the season of pride is a big deal in our lives like this is the biggest holiday for me all year and um typically what happens is it will start so to the, in this season of pride it's starting in West Hollywood, but then every other city has one, right? So a lot of people will like take weeks off of work, like they'll plan like a year ahead and they'll and they'll do the circuit of all the different prides, right? Wow. And they'll, they'll travel and go to every pride because this is like the, just a, such a huge expression of, of freedom to be in that environment in these queer spaces is, is really important. So um, we said, not the fuck today, you will not start the season of pride. <laughs> this is the first one um, with this police. So we wanted to take this action anyway, but it happened to fall right in the middle of the most important part of this campaign to defund the police. And what a better representation, right? Of the city is spending un you know, untold amount of tax dollars um, on police for this event and not only that but the main part of pride uh, not this parade part but you know there's a lot happening the main part of it had these incredibly high ticket prices that really locked people out right if you weren't rich you couldn't go to the main event um and so you're you're keeping a lot of queer people out, working class and poor people who started this. You're keeping them out. And the parade is being, the free part, the parade, 
is being led by police. Can't be normal, Candace. It's like apartheid pride. You know, but <laughs> it's the United States. <laughs> like, it's lit- it was literally like there's a physical wall. It's literally an apartheid pride. I mean, they physically put a apartheid wall between the rich and the poor at fucking pride. And just to reiterate to people who, who might not be queer in any sense, when Jordan's mentioned like pride being a, a place for, for queer people to be free, is because like our society just generally is not a place for them, as we all know. We're taught to be homophobic, etc. at an early age. So when capitalists, like rainbow capitalists, pink capitalists, however you want to frame it, are trying to co-opt marketing to certain groups of people, and even the state encouraging the acceptance of it, you find out that it's to recruit them to the army, or um, again, it's to neutralize the freedom of pride because they want to keep everybody in this capitalist realist mindset that there is no alternative. So uh, I guess like doing an apartheid pride just is, is, is a kind of like, again, control them. Seriously. Oh, capitalist it. realism. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's just, it's just an essential if people haven't read or it capitalist realism do so. Recommend just going out there to pride. You know, yeah. just, just one thing to point out about like kind of the results of that action were that um so you know we we did the action which was you know stopping the beginning of the pride. We did delay the, that parade for quite a while. They ended up taking a different route. Like they like made an alternative route um because we were stopped we were like you're not you're not doing the parade with the police, you know, you know, that linked folks to a toolkit, kind of letting them know that like, hey, not only have they spent all this money on pride, but our police budget is crazy. We're brutalizing queer people and we need to fund community services that actually keep us safe. And people were, it worked, you know, people were fucking outraged. <laughs> they were outraged. And that city council meeting, I don't think I've ever seen such visceral public pressure on them. I mean, it was, it was a, it was like a public flogging of the city council. <laughs> and and norm, normally organizing, <laughs> normally organizing, you really need to like follow up with specific people. Like everybody needs to be called multiple times, right? For them to show up, it's just like the nature of people. With this, we saw ma- the masses came, all speaking in public comment. They all did their full comments. People I'd, I'd never heard of, and with such emotion, uh, just such rage, um, it was a revolutionary moment for sure. Mm. Revolutionary can just be as simple as change and. And if people aren't staying quiet, if people are standing up for themselves, they'll stand up for others. That's all positive change that we need so that we can end all this goddamn suffering as soon as possible. So, yeah, it's been an interesting discussion. Thank you so far. I don't think that we've actually got many questions left, maybe one or two. I've got a bonus question for you, actually, yeah. um, if you don't mind me. 
indulge in. Yeah. So I, I was out with one of my comrades today. They do amazing work. Shout out. And we're showing them. And your local police. There was the one three one two on your arm, one right, and I know it's kind of picky, but I thought it maybe could be helpful if you could just bring out a distinction between defunding the police and abolish the police. What do you think is preferable, and or do you think there's a difference at all? Yeah. So. Um... Defunding the police is a policy proposal, right? And the slogan was developed by Black Lives Matter LA, who's really the the real Black Lives Matter, right? I recognize Black Lives Matter LA chapter rather than the sort of national or global Black Lives Matter, which has been it's basically the co-opted version, right? Black Lives Matter is, is a revolutionary organization, and we do mean abolish the police, right? If you take away their money, <laughs> if you take away their budget, their funding, you at some point don't have police anymore, right? You just keep funneling it away. But so the slogan was really meant to be a bridge for uh, maybe freshly radicalized former liberals, right? people who are starting to care, people who are starting to open their eyes a bit so that it's not necessarily putting them off, right? Um, it's, it's, it's inviting them into that conversation because um, once you really look at the police budget and you get into kind of like all the arguments, at some point you'll have to come to the conclusion that police are just meant to keep the cages filled, right? These, they don't keep us safe. And there's pretty clear you know, housing, <laughs> social services, pretty clear solutions for real public safety. That was the the point of that slogan. And so defund the police does mean abolish the police. Um, whether it's been successful or not, you know. Uh, amazing, yeah, I, I, I did kind of answer along the same same answer you gave me. There's probably, you know, a bridge because, you know, defunding the police is, again, it's it's talking about defunding them. It's kind of democratic, you could say, whereas abolishing them, it's by any means necessary kind of thing. And that can put people off because it sounds very violent and, you know, whatnot. But... Yeah, exactly. And I like I like that you say it's democratic because it's, it's a way to invite people into um, imagining what should we fund, right? And that's something that we can kind of imagine together. And uh, just to bring it back to the people's agenda, that is the way that it's being handled, right? Is that we, we brought together, even though we had done all these actions and demands before, um, there were some new things added because we brought in a coalition of lots of different organizations around us um, you know, Palestinian youth movement, uh, Black Lives Matter, um, you know, No Olympics LA, you know, there's a lot of people doing important work. And so we kind of brought all of the radicals together um, into a democratic process to create that people's agenda. 
and are continuing that process to the broader public so that we're re- it really is an agenda for and by the people. Amazing, amazing. I'm going to obviously, like, continue to, to follow WeHo, like, majorly as, as a dedicated supporter. And anybody who follows me will know for a fact that because I'm going to be repeating it, and again, I've, I've learned so much from, say, the people Akon who feel like I'm doing similar work and 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 fighting amazing fights and everybody should be supporting these. And because, again, it's just so unique, like you say, and it might not be, but it's definitely not common. And if we can see this, we should always support it. On that point on abolish, you talk about abolishing a few things over your TikTok. Would you class yourself as an abolitionist of sorts? Is the abolition of institutions and society something that you'd encourage just as a form of education to get people thinking about, you know, how these institutions have limits to how much that they can help? or something that you believe abolition flat out um, is a practical thing that we should strive for? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to kind of define abolition because um, folks tend to hear that and think it's, it's talking about like flipping a switch, right? Or just like cutting something out. I think, I think most people would see it like that, yeah. Right, and so um, the reality of, of the proposal of abolition um, to like abolish prisons, abolish the police is, um, is really to reimagine society, right? It's to, um, it's to change everything. Uh, Mer- Miriam Kabe, and um, there's a book called We Do This Till We Free Us, um, talks about we should change everything, right? So. It's not just removing police and keeping the same society that we have. It's changing, changing things to a point where we have a society that keeps us safe and meets our needs um, and is community oriented, right? And so it, it's not one that is punitive and that kills and cages people, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's what abolition means. I would consider myself an abolitionist and a Marxist-Leninist. And I think that's important because abolition of prisons and police and the focus on that only takes you so far. Um, At some point, you have to see that these are just features of capitalism. And so... You really can't abolish prisons and the police if capitalism is still the mode of production. Um, you just can't. That's why they exist. They're a function of it. And so by changing everything, another way to say that would be, say, to abolish capitalism, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well said once again. Abolition, it is all about change, it's all about that revolution. And I think what you're getting at is just the historical materialist element of even once you have that society that hasn't got prisons, hasn't got people hungry, hasn't got the bad things and it's got the good things, like 
that still has to change at points. It all changes, population grows, as, you know, the environment changes, the climate, etc. Um, just there's the problems where in the past was conservatism. You still need progress constantly. So historical materialism is a tool that it will be able to hopefully look at society in a, in a scientific manner do investigation on the people just as you would with any other subject what do they need and then constantly do this work mass line you could say you got to communicate just like other cells and organisms have to communicate with with nerves through each other we're just communicating electrons to each other through our consciousness and words and vibrations through the air that's that's hitting our eardrums and things where we should be all one organism but there is literally a parasite feeding off us and that's capitalism that is capitalism so absolutely definitely parasites feeding off of us and it's silly literally it's silly to 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 continue um when we have reached this point in production where we have we're overproducing what we need you know there's one in four kids are starving and we produce twice what we need in food for the world we could literally feed the entire world twice and we're just you know we're throwing it away we're throwing this food that we're producing away and leaving people to starve it's just it doesn't make sense so you know pro capital to to anyone who's maybe thinking like well what are you know I just, I hear a lot of this, like, it's like, well, you know, what would we do without capitalism kind of rhetoric? Um, and it's just like, you know, it's it's good that we had it for a time, but that time is over. <laughs> it's no longer, you know, there's, it's no longer progressive. And so we have to move on um, if we don't want to go extinct. Yeah extremely and and like you know yeah that existential in there we don't want to make anybody unhappy and things and because it can just make you feel like you're overwhelmed and powerless and all of that but you gotta continuously remember that like all the oppression that were faced around us all the pigs forced to walk around the queer people you don't oppress the powerless you oppress people with power that's just a fact of it. And then they're gonna say, I am very tired, I've had a long day and it's it's um, quarter past two in the morning, so that's why I'm, I'm talking gibberish at this point. <laughs> You're all good. I forget we have this time difference. Thanks so much for accommodating me. Great. I can love and leave you now. I just wanna say thank you so much for all the work that you've done in the past. Every time you've sat and thought about, you know, just going out and doing it, I appreciate it so much, comrade. It's definitely necessary. Like, I completely love you for it. I'm sure other people do. And everybody follow Jordan literally in practice as well. We need to communicate, reach out. I'm sure any of us are willing to answer and expand on anything that we've talked about. And I'm just, I just really am excited to see some more victories for you. I hope all of your comrades do stay safe at the next Pride. Where can people find, follow and support you? 
Yeah, so um, they can follow me on Instagram at JordanDavidX. Um, same thing on TikTok. And I have a link tree in my bio. And you can also find me on my brand new Substack where I'm going to be writing uh, more perspectives about local and global politics from a working class perspective. Amazing. I guess one more final question. And this is like just more for me because your TikTok's just pretty impressive, like, and so unique. And what, what, what inspired you from it? Like, like, where did it come from? Like, what made you think of it? Of some of the, some of the, um, the designs, like, the, with the slogans on, for example? Um, well, thank you. Um, you know, I've, been a makeup artist for the past 10 years um, and I'm move, transitioning now into like a, the political world and exploring what that looks like, um, you know, within my values. But uh, yeah, I think um, doing makeup, doing this kind of creative thing within capitalism um, can sort of suck the, the fun out of it. Mm. Uh, you kind of like take away the creativity you're always achieving someone else's vision you're a cog in the machine still even though people see it creatively from the outside you really are a cog in the machine you develop a skill and you sell it to your capitalists um and so some of these things were kind of like this you know revolutionary artistic act for me to be able to like use my skill how i want to use it and, you know, during the pandemic, there was a need to kind of go online and have a presence there. And so, and honestly, and thank you for, for the acknowledgements um, because it's, I haven't created in a really long time. Um, and uh, I think I'm inspired to uh, continue that journey. Totally, because saying you're a makeup artist and then everybody just pictures, you know, the, the actors, you know, getting the face buffed and things. And then I just compared that to what you were doing. And then you went from being a makeup artist to being like makeup art. Do you know what, do you know what I mean? And uh, that was that was really amazing to see it with the revolution. And it's been love to see it. Thank you so much. I just love to inquire about like art and, and artists and where it comes from. It's inspiring, really intriguing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I um, definitely want to stay in touch and uh, talk more. Yeah, ho I hope we do when I'm, when I'm more awake. Maybe me, you and Malik, Afro Propaganda could do a little thing together. So totally. See. Totally. Okay, so thank you everybody for listening. And thanks everybody for tuning in. And as always, workers and lumping of the world, unite. We have nothing to lose but our chains. CEO entrepreneur, born in 1964, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bezos. CEO entrepreneur, born in 1964, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Bezos.